All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Are You Afraid of D's, the show that does still not have a theme song, but maybe we'll make one one day. Um, I'm here with Maggie, as usual. Hi, Maggie. How is your Sunday so far? Hey, I'm very productive. I cleaned my whole house. I even washed the floors, which is something I put off for months. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty necessary this time around um, after all the winter crud. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I had a, a, a long morning of fighting uh, dragons in D&D. Um, started painting up a, a bunch of things. Didn't f only finished one of them, but started painting a, a lot of the things. But uh, man, I tell you, I have been uh, immersed in the fairy world this March and this St. Patrick's Day. I've just completely fell into the fairy ring, been in the other realm, and I am back to talk about what is our biggest episode ever. I'm so excited. It's going to be magical. And I'm titling it Realm of the Fae. There's going to be a cool voice effect that I'm going to add to that. Yay. So it's going to be like Realm of the Fae. Hey, Fae, Fae, Fae. Something like that. Actually, probably won't because I don't know how to do that and I'll be lazy. Um, but here <laughs> we are going to talk about all sorts of fairy lore. But I'm mostly going to keep to Irish and Scottish lore, um, just because that is um, that's the most prevalent that we know about. But just know that the realm of the Fae is a worldwide phenomenon and mythology. So I'll ask you this, Maggie: What do you think of when you think of fairies? So I think of like those famous photographs. I don't know if it's from England or whatever, but like. Those famous dupes where someone had like pictures of themselves with the little tiny fairies with the wings. I think of Tinkerbell, oh, yeah. you know, I think of that yeah. kind of stuff, but um, I don't know a whole lot. So I'm pretty psyched. Well, Tink Tinkerbell is, in fact, probably the most famous fairy, although a lot of fairy elitists will say there's a lot of uh, differences in how she's portrayed and what the actual fairies the original fairies, at least, are like. And we'll get into a lot of that today. Um so I've not only have I read several books, but I, I there's uh, three or four videos that I'm I'm going to be using extensively uh, as resources. Um, one uh, one's BuzzFeed Unsolved, and they have a good <laughs> quote. I uh, believe it or not, they they have a good quote that I'd like to use to describe the Fae, and it goes, uh, "The Fae are mystical creatures living in a supernatural existence, but parallel to us in many ways." And that really describes, as you'll find out, a lot a lot about uh, what the Fae are about. Um, fae and fairies. I'm going to use the term interchangeably. Um, just FYI, Fae I think is more of a a modern. Um, incarnation of the the word uh, fairy but uh they're pretty world encompassing like literally every culture has a fairy myth um i can't think of something more encompassing worldwide than fairies than maybe you know demons and angels um so you got demons angels fairies those are like your three primordial uh, starter races for uh the world as we know it right so yeah. um let uh but today we're going to, like I said, kind of focus on fairies of Irish and Scottish lore. But I'm going to talk uh, a little bit about where they also originate from. Um, so now how fairies act and what they're called, obviously, is different from country to country. But most roles of fairies point to an intermediary race, like angels, that have magical and special powers. So if you go all the way back to Egypt... Um, Egypt had fairies too. Not a lot of people know this. 
Um, but they were more like demons that spread misfortune. So kind of like the more evil aspects of fairies, but they're still there. The Egyptians had fairies. Um, fast forward a little bit to Greece and Rome. You had the genie, same stuff. Um, there is a book that is one of the first mentions or at least recorded mentions of fairies is J.S. Forsyth's Demonologia or Natural Knowledge Revealed. And this is an ancient, or I'm sorry, an expose of ancient and modern superstitions. So uh, there is a long line, basically, of folklore that describes fairies. Um, as you know, a lot of, or most things were passed down orally. So it is kind of hard to track definitive sources. It's kind of just one of those things where, well, yeah, we've always known about fairies. They've always existed kind of things. Um, but Maggie, if you had to guess, where do you think the earliest lineage of fairies in the modern sense goes to? If you had to guess what mythology they were pulled from, I'm going to give Ooh. you a hint. It's it's very popular right now, or has been for a while. Uh, uh, like paganism, druidism? Yes, close, very close. Ancient Norse. Um, oh. So uh, the ancient Norse described little creatures who hid underground in caves and hoarded wealth, and they would do whatever it took to get wealth, even crimes. Now, depending it's on horrendous. how you treat it... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a profile, right? They would do whatever they could to get wealth, even crime. So, <laughs> me me writing the the how to catch a murder episode on fairy murder. Um, so now, depending on how you treated fairies, depending on how well you would do in life. So that is one of the biggest themes of fairies: is the duality of their nature. They can be either cruel or kind, depending on how they're treated. Now, in the the gnome episode, we talked about all the different kinds of gnomes and you know, kind of the realms of what they governed and what they did. Um, and the same with fairies: it's like, well, if you were having a spat of bad luck, well, you blamed it on the fairies. Oh, the fairies you know, made my cow's milk turn sour or broke my wagon wheel or, you know, made my wife cheat on me. Um, but if you were doing something really well, that's because the fairies were helping you. Like, oh, my my pumpkins are giant this year. That guy must have the fairies helping him. You know, it was that kind ah. of thing. Um, so... Let's... Uh, the Irish mm -hmm. in Irish folklore, fairies are known as the sheed. That's S I D H E. You've probably seen this before. The sheed or the fadri. Um, and here's the weird thing about that: that comes from a Persian word, peri, and that traces all the way back to the Crusades. So, oh wow, peri, the peri were mystical creatures, largely female. They were trapped in their fairy form and who were cursed to have no mortal soul or immortal power because of a sin they committed. And they were mostly benevolent. But isn't that's a weird connection, right? Like yeah, that's odd. So the those the Perry were Persian fairies basically, but that's where it comes from. So that that's a, an entire course probably on its own on, on that connection. But I thought that was really interesting. So mm -hmm. the the Sheed were fallen angels cast from heaven due to their pride. Um, so they're not so evil that they went to hell to become demons, but they're kind of left in this sort of purgatory on Earth, uh, another realm, the fairy realm. Uh, they You're telling me they're like celestials? I, I, is that what celestials are in D&D? &D? 
I guess. I mean, yeah. Like when I think celestial, I think like angel beings. That's wild. Yeah, I. That's so. To explain sort of the when uh, this is from a Christianized view of uh, the sheet. So they were kind of, you know, um, portrayed as either fallen angels or fallen spirits. There were that, that somewhere in between angels and humans. Right. And that explained why they had special powers. Um, Ooh. so is that, is celestials are is the angel like beings in D and D? Yeah, I guess. I'm not sure in D and D terms, I was just thinking like in general, like celestial beings, like creatures of heaven, like, you know, like angels and stuff. I think in D and D, like the 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 angel like human spinoff is Asimars. Oh, I that's right. Play an Asimar. <laughs> I I forget. So yeah, that's like yeah, like as kind of a mix between an Asimar and a Tiefling, then I suppose. But that's the way a lot of cultures looked at them that they were like you know this this uh, this in between race you know, um, and like I said that explained like all their powers, but also kind of their lineage. But that is also sort of a Christianized slant that sort of happened with the folklore where the fairies kind of took on this. Um, they were sort of like rascals. They were fallen angels, but they weren't like holy demons. They were just kind of like in between. However, they could still kind of corrupt you and do bad things and make you do bad things. Um, but uh, the the she lived in Tirnanog, uh, which is basically what some would describe as heaven on earth. It's just beautiful giant forest and garden meadows where there's no disease and everyone is eternally young and everything is made for pleasure. Um, they looked like humans, but they were incredibly beautiful. So like 11 out of 10s, not Chicago 10s, but like LA 10s, right? <laughs> um, giant flowing diaphanous robes, which is a word I, I, I only know by context. I was going to look up because I'm like, what does diaphanous actually mean? But I didn't. So uh, they have beautiful hair that sometimes was described to reach their feet. So big flowy robes, big hair, you know, kind of glam rock, but like monk style, I guess. I don't know. Um, and they had many powers and many powers. They could transform into any creature. They could disappear completely and they could even make horses from scraps of straw. That's so specific. It's so specific and weird, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. But there are, there are stories in which fairies conjure horses, uh, and it's part of the story. And, uh, so that's where that comes from. I just wrote it down cause I thought it was really funny. Um, Ooh. So they loved to drink milk and honey, which were served in golden vessels, and flower nectar. I'm sure you've heard stories of little fairy pixies fluttering around drinking flower nectar from flowers. You know, that's kind of how we like picture them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, it was suggested that there were more fairies than humans on Earth. We just couldn't see them because they could choose if they wanted to be seen or not. They kind of exist simultaneously in this realm and the other realm. Uh, but their leaders, you would know if there was a fairy king or queen because they wore circlets of gold around their head. Which um, we're going to talk about the the token uh, connection a little bit later. But uh, that was one of the things I read that I was like... Hmm. So um, they have palaces and modes everywhere underground. That's also a common theme of, of fairies living uh, underground in mounds and, and burial cairns, uh, under trees and lakes and ruins. And uh, they, you know, may look like holes, but once you stepped inside, everything was made out of diamonds and pearls and silver and gold. And, you know, it was just this magical other realm. Um, but what they're most known for 
aside from playing tricks on humans, is having fucking parties. They love yeah. singing and dancing and playing music almost as much as they did tricking humans. So that's pretty much your fairy day. Like you get up, you probably party a little, you go into the human realm, you fuck with mortals for, you know, till night comes and then you go back home and you have a giant dinner and you party and shit. So, um, if you were a peasant back in the day, you could imagine like they want in on some of this fairy action and all these fairy stories. Like, yeah, dude, there's this like, it's almost like I'm like the equivalent of like an underground rave. Like, yeah, do you guys know there's like this place where you can go and hang out with fairies and they like fucking drink and eat like all day and party and sing and dance. And like, you know, you as a peasant, you're like, yeah, I don't want to churn butter anymore. I want to, I want to go party in the fairy realm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I shouldn't even say peasant. Like now, nowadays, that sounds awesome, right? Like, oh yeah, so cool. If you could leave your life right now and go hang out in the fairy realm, like I would. Oh yeah, immediately. Like I'm not even gonna grab my bag. Like let's go. I exactly. I would fuck around and find out. I would leave with yeah. the clothes on my back, and I'd be like, "See ya," and I'd be done. <laughs> <Me too>. uh, <laughs> so um, so. Now, let's say you wanted to find the fairy realm, Maggie. Let's say you wanted mm -hmm. to find the fairy realm. There are a few ways you could find it. Um, and you actually uh, helped us post some pictures of one of them uh, earlier in the year when you had uh, the fairy ring of mushrooms. So the, uh, the fairy rings were natural occurring uh, rings of either uh, foliage or mushrooms, like you sent, or some sort of uh, woodland uh, fauna, or is it flora? Which flora. one's which? Flora. Excellent. Very good. Flora. Um, that appeared as a ring. Now, as we know today, stupid science likes to explain all these things for us. Um, some of these are naturally occurring by whatever systems the uh, the the flora is uh, rooting in. However, if you found a fairy ring, you walked around it nine times, you could enter the fairy world. Uh, however, the catch is humans could not stay in without becoming completely enamored with the fairies and there would be no escape for you. Once you went to the fairy realm, that's it. You'd be trapped forever, especially if you ate their food, if you drank their food or their wine, you'd be stuck in the fairy realm forever. They don't really explain the rest of it, but that's just the rules. All right. Um, so the, the Irish were very superstitious of fairies. They would not build on fairy land. Or they would even say their names out loud, like Voldemort, right? Oh, wow. Because uh, it would invoke their attention, which you didn't always want. Because I think they kind of had this base level, like, if we fuck with fairies, they're going to fuck with us. So we better not even say their names. Um, so they referred to them as the good people or the little people um, and other terms like that. Um, now, they, uh, the Sheed had no religion, but they feared some aspects of Christianity, according to this Christianized version of fairies. Um, and because it was thought that they fell from heaven, um, that they could control evil spirits uh, and they would have powers over things like unbaptized infants. They could make people grow up evil. Um, and also if you were found communing with fairies, during the Salem witch trials that could get you burned at the stake. So sometimes they were kind of grouped together with demons. So they're, they're still in the Christianized version of fairies are kind of, kind of a bad thing. Uh, other bad things they would do. 
They could send spirits in the form of beautiful women uh, who would charm men with their song and dance and their gossamer titties and make them commit crimes for them. Um, so that's probably work thing. on me too, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> probably work on me too. Uh, so you can see where all this is coming from. A lot of it's male fantasy about, you know, fucking big titty women in the forest. That's like 90% of this, <laughs> this thing. If I teach you guys anything here anyway. So, but there was a sadness amongst the she because they could not go to heaven and they had this constant melancholy of what they had lost when they fell. Um, so this is how they viewed the she for many, 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 many years as uh, this Christianized version of them. But in the 1900s, there was sort of a Celtic revival where um, this Celtic mythology was reclaimed by uh, the Irish and the Scottish, right? Um, and uh, this is where we get a lot of the classic literature that we know, like William Butler Yeats and Samuel Beckett. Um writing about fairies and all these fairy stories and basically like you know yeats went around and like interviewed people got stories put them together in collections and tomes and so this is the closest connection us as as modern humans have uh to our fairies right so both mm -hmm. yeats and samuel beckett claim to have communed with fairies and douglas hyde the first president of dublin says he saw a horse charging across a field and it changed into a beautiful woman Wow. Well. Uh, which was a fairy, apparently, because they can also change into horses as well as making them out of straw. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. So um, in England, you have the Canterbury Tales. And of course, um, one of our favorites, uh, Midnight Summer's Dream, where you have all these uh, elf characters and the fairy court and Puck and all that good stuff. Um also, England tells of elf arrows, uh, specifically elf shot, which is some you know a term that's still used in gaming and stuff like that, where uh, you know one shot could fell a human or you know had poison on it. Um, the changelings, which uh, were uh, beings that the fairies would replace a normal baby with, one of their berries babies, and it was a fairy baby. Um, and you, at this point, you got your wide range of fairies. You got your pixies and pygmies and sylphs and air spirits, and salamanders and gnomes and goblins and, and undines. And it's like I'm listing off that David the Gnome bestiary again. Mm -hmm. You have all these different kinds of fairies and stuff uh, that are being brought into the uh, the lexicon and the, the mythology. Um, and... Uh, the belief was so common in the mid 1800s that they were not seen as just like rural stories from farmers, right? Like Ireland, Scotland to this day, like there are people that claim they were descended from fairies and believe in fairies hundred percent. Um, so I'm jumping back and forth in time, but around this era, 1790s and stuff like that, uh, the country, most countries were industrializing. Um, so it was kind of thought that like, you know, the, there was a loss of magic, the fairies were leaving England because of the smoke and urbanization and all that stuff that was bad for fairies. Um, and then kind of like in the yokai episode where that was happening in Japan and that industrialization led to a rekindling of interest in folklore. That's kind of what happened with fairies. So fairies kind of had like a boom after this industrialization in the Victorian era because people wanted to use science to approve 
or disapprove uh, fairies, whether they were real or not. Um, they were like, we have science now. We can figure it out if they were actually real or not. And they would find things like old arrowheads and flint shards and say they were elf shot or fairy bolts or the fairy rings, which we now know, you know, are caused by fungus. Um, so it's very, there's a similarity between like Japan and I don't remember the name of the guy that wrote that yokai book, but um the guy that wrote about all the yokai trying to disprove them and it made them more popular. That's kind of the same thing that happened here with uh, fairies. So anyway, nice. um, so what do you, I guess, Maggie, what do you think of all this, this short hi fairy history so far? Um, I'm kind of surprised that it traces so far back. Um, I'm not shocked that there's multiple iterations of fairies across different cultures because you know, there's just something really charming and interesting about believing like this into this unseen, like hidden population that has this impact on humans. And um, this makes me really intrigued to know about other cultures as well. But I definitely know how famous Irish and Scottish fairy tales are. So pretty psyched, honestly. Yeah, there's so much cool stuff to learn. Um, and this is just like a, a primer like a basic like you know fairy knowledge we're about to take it a level deeper here because Ooh. a lot of the irish didn't believe in this christianization version of fairies right they had their own mythology which was far more interesting in my uh my opinion of what the she were and they believe they were the spirits of what they called the tuatha de danan and it's a mysterious ancestor race of the Irish people that was part divine and or possibly angel-like. Now, the Tuatha de Danann, which I'm going to now refer to as the T-double-Ds for the rest of the episode. I don't want to keep saying that. <laughs> okay. The T-double-Ds were seen as gods, monsters, demons, royalty. It's kind of hard to put a finger on exactly what the Tuatha de Danann were. But... Suffice to say, the name translates in Gaelic to people or the nation of the goddess Danu. Now, what the fuck does that mean? No one really knows. That's the best part. No one's, qu <laughs> okay. no, no, no one's quite sure. <laughs> but they, they were precursors of the Irish race and powerful fey gods who ruled in ancient times. Now, who is the goddess Danu? No one knows. There's very little written about her. But as you can guess, she was probably some sort of fairy queen. Um, there's no early accounts or stories or mysteries uh, of that myth. However, the, the leading theory is that the goddess Danu was surmised from studying the etymology of the first mentions of the Tuatha de Danann. And they pulled her name from the description, basically, and uh, traced it to a Vedic water goddess which is in itself a reference to possibly the danube river danube river oh, um okay so that that's what they think that is so that makes sense if you trace it back okay river river goddess tuatha de danan sure whatever she's kind of inconsequential to the story, I guess I should say. So just know that that's where that come from and no one really knows. Anyway, so um, these are the ancestors to fairies. She has a great video on the Tuatha Dé Danann, and she summarizes uh, them as royal warrior fairy gods. They can shapeshift into whatever form they wish. Um, 
again, they're duplicitous. They can uh, hurt humans as much as they can help them. There were gift-giving rituals meant to appease these fairies uh, in order to get their favor. And what that did for people mentally was they felt like they had a bit of control over circumstances in their lives, such as life and death, weather and nature, etc. So that's another dynamic of just fairies and people in general is the, the gift-giving rituals that like, if I do this, if I offer this gift, this fairy is going to help me do X, Y, and Z. And people having that knowledge made them feel more secure in their little world of uncertainty. Um, something I that you know, that we don't think about a whole lot because we live in a world where we have so many options of how we can change uh, things. And I'm, I'm not like talking like, like um, I'm talking like we live in a house that has AC, not everyone, but some, we can make it hot or cool in our house. We can sure. order food from Grubhub. You can, you know, there, we have all these services and all this technology that you got to think back in the day, people didn't have that. Like if you don't go fucking hunting out in the day, well, you didn't eat dinner. You know what I mean? Like just oh, kind of yeah. things like that. And people faced death and uh, much more early on and much more easier. It was more a part of their life. And I think you have to look at this through that kind of lens to see that how you know these unseen forces and stuff like that were a very big part of people's world back then if that makes sense um, oh yeah definitely uh so think about that as you're thinking about i'm just saying this more to like the listeners as you as you think about you know all this this fairy lore and stuff like that if you're saying like oh this is silly shit this makes much more sense looking at it through that lens so anyway back to twatha the the, the twds um, so they weren't necessarily gods or deities, but they were very powerful and they could appear otherworldly, uh, as beautiful or as crones. And, uh, there's a Baba Yaga reference again. They had, uh, <laughs> exceptional skills in everything from arts to smithing to poetry. And they were ever living. They were even thought to be immortal. So this is like word for word, like J.R. Tokens elves, right? And we know for oh, a fact yeah. we borrowed heavily from Celtic mythology. So, like, this is just very stark. As I was reading about this, I'm like, yep, this is the elves. This is the elves. This is the elves. So, um, when Christianity arrived in Ireland, instead of vanquishing people's beliefs, they co-opted them into Christian lore. So, the Tuatha de Danann, the TWDs, uh, they arrive at a distant western mountain. And some of the myths say they descended from clouds so large and dark that they caused a three-day eclipse. Um, in other myths, they came in ships across the sea. And once they landed, they burned all the ships. So, like, they legit did not have any plans on going back. They were like, hey, we found Ireland. This is the perfect place. Uh, we're not leaving. We're not going away. We're going to burn our ships and just stay here. And they probably didn't stay long enough to see how shitty the weather is there in Ireland. Uh <laughs> <laughs> they landed on the one sunny day, and they were like, perfect. I love it. Yeah. This is fantastic. Nothing bad will ever happen here. However, they, they weren't alone in Ireland. Uh, they were sharing the land with the Firbolg. Firbolg? F-I-R-B-O-L-G. Um, oh, that's a D&D race. I know them. Yes. Um, but these Firbolg were once humans enslaved in Greece. Uh, so Firbolg means bagmen, basically. Men of bags. Because they were carrying uh, bags of soil and clay. So these are humans that uh, used to be slaves that also live in Ireland. Um, so you got the Firbolg, and then you have the Fomorians. Uh, 
who are another supernatural race. Now, there's unfortunately not a lot of like definitive sources on what the Fomorians are, but you should think of them as uh, Emily Zarka calls them demonic bandits, sea raiders, maybe giants. They were jerks. That's the point. They're the <laughs> evil people in the story. Uh, so they were eventually defeated by the Tuatha de Danann. After that came like a, a time of peace. So the, the thing that's interesting here is it's, um, this is another example of a mythological war of gods, like the Titans and Olympus, the Aesir and the Vanir. This is uh, very much a similar story where these two uh, supernatural races, one good, one bad, fight. So they beat them in the Battle of Magtared, and uh, they kind of enveloped the Furbolg. They defeated the, uh, the Fomorians. And uh, what did they do? They started fucking everyone and everything, and they became intermarried anyway, and everyone <laughs> on Ireland was like some weird fucking mishmash of monsters and fairies and humans, and everyone was happy for 169 years. See what you did there? Very nice. funny. Very funny Irish folklore. See what you did there. Because everything is a giant dick joke in the end. Um, so they were doing great for a long time, you know, uh, until the Milesians came, and they fucked it all up. Um now, the Milesians uh, were mortal men. They're another set of men, and they beat the Tuatha de Danann. They beat their pants off. Um, they beat all their hotness and their diaphanous robes and the gossamer titties and their magic and, and their fucking straw horses. They beat the pants all of all of them. And uh, the Tuatha have to f uh, flee underground, basically. And so uh, that's where they could access their portals to their other realm. Ancient hills, barrels, burial mounds, and... Those are called she. So that's how the story cycles back. So um, all these underground spots were thought to be doorways to the other realm. That's where dead souls and the Fae could travel. That is sort of like where, I guess, you know, this uh, that goes back to the she being living in underground barrows and their homes and dwellings. So, you know, the next time you go, you know, farting around in a barrow or a cairn or something like that, that's where you might find the fairy entrance. As time passed, these people diverged and became the fairy spirits we know and celebrate today. So the fairies are sort of descended uh, from the Tuatha de Danann. So like sort of like a couple generations removed. That's what it's sort of thought. Um, so, yeah. What do you think about the Tuatha de Danann story? I had no idea about it. I've heard the words, as I said, because there's a folk metal band, but I have no, I had no idea. Honestly, I, I had like zero information. So I'm already pretty interested. And you know what? Like the parallels to Tolkien's uh, elves are great because it helps me really picture them and how hot they are. So very pleasant yeah. to imagine. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, that's that's the best comparison. Again, if you take a look at the art, 100% Lord of the Rings elves. Um, so now I'm going to tell you a fairy story uh, that I think is a good example of how fairies interact with humans. And it's called The Storyteller at Fault. All right. Okay, so, okay. Storyteller at Fault. So, you got a human king has a storyteller. Right, because back in the day they used to, you know, they didn't have TV, so you have to have a dude that would tell you stories. 
So the, the king's storyteller finds an old lanky beggarman with a wood leg in the gardens, the king's gardens. And this old dude challenges the storyteller to a game of dice. Uh, they're starting bets 100 gold. And the weird old dude, he just beats the pants off the storyteller. So what do you think the storyteller does after he loses 100 gold in one round with this weird old man he just met? Uh, knowing the amoral nature of some of these stories, uh, I'm thinking he's going to kick his ass, try to get his money back. He does, he does one better. He doubles down. So he keeps betting and betting. And he bets his house, his horse, his hounds, and his wife, because wives were property. Uh, and his name was Mr. Zero. Las Vegas. <laughs> right. <This is> zero <laughs> fucks. Zero fucks. Keeps going. He's just, he has to beat the strange man he just met who's trespassing in the King's Gardens, right? The people must have been so bored back then. Like, can you imagine your day starting and you just get involved in this game of dice so desperate or you give up everything you've ever owned to some stranger and then you have to spend like the next 15 years getting it back and then you die because people died at like 36 anyway, right? Like this is a this is a fucked up day you're having. Anyway, yeah. so he keeps losing to the strange old man, and his final bet is his life. So, what do you who do you think wins the last round of this game? Oh, it's gotta be the old guy. I mean, he's already yeah. on a streak. Hundred percent. So he loses to this old guy, and at that point, the weird old guy reveals he's a fairy, and he uh, takes out a magic lasso. And he asks him, so, what animal do you want to be turned into? Um, so, Maggie, let's say you're this king storyteller and you're, you've just lost 17 rounds of dice to a stranger who you now found out is a fairy. They whip out a magic lasso and they ask you, so, what animal do you want to be turned into? How do you, how do you answer that? Uh, <laughs> Homo sapiens. <laughs> Try to get on in on a technicality, still be human. If All I right. had to, though, I guess I'd be a fox. Okay, a fox. That, that's a that's a good answer. It's definitely a better answer than the storyteller. Guess what the storyteller asked to be tra uh, transformed into? Oh, is it like a bug or something? Please tell me it's not a bug. It's not a bug. But he says, uh, what about a rabbit? And he gets transformed into a rabbit, which is so uh. fucking stupid. Um, like, you could be a shark or, or a turtle or a falcon or a whale or a wolf. Like all the, you could be any other animal, the rabbit. So rabbits are like the prey for every other animal. So stupid. Anyway, <laughs> so the fairy throws his magic lasso around him, turns into a rabbit, and he gets chased by his own hounds that he bet. So that's the, I guess, the reason for being turned into a rabbit because it's funny. Um, so <laughs> the, the fairy thinks it's hilarious and he has a good laugh and he's like, okay, that was funny. I'm going to stop messing with you. I feel bad. Uh, you're a moron. I'll turn you back into a human. And he does. Um, so he turns it back into a human. And then lo and behold, they go reveling together after this. And the fairy <laughs> turns himself invisible. And they just start palling around. And the storyteller is watching him. He plays pranks on people. So it's basically like fairy punked or fairy jackass. Um, <laughs> which would be a great show. So uh, yeah. They, uh, they, um, they're pranking people around town. And then one of them has a bright idea, like, yo, what if we pranked the king? So they no. go to the king. 
They prank the king. He gets super pissed. Doesn't say what they pranked him with. Um, so he captures the fairy. And they decide they're going to hang him. Uh, but the joke's on the king. Because when they hang the fairy, not only does the fairy not die, uh, but when they go to the, to the gallows to take a look, uh, the body is one of the king's advisors swaying on the noose. Oh, God. So... <laughs> Maggie, what do you think the king does next, given given the the nature of this story? Oh gosh, I mean, given given I'm, what the storyteller, yeah, what the storyteller, yeah, yeah. So the king doubles down, and he mm-hmm. tries to hang the fairy again, over and over and over and over, and every time he does it, another one of his officials are hung. So. You think after like the first five, they'd be like, "Hey, this is not going so well. We should stop this. This is fuck. We shouldn't try to be hanged. This very clearly has powers over life and death, and we're pawns in his immortal tapestry. And we should just cut our losses and fuck off." But that's not what kings do. So finally, after killing how many known officials and advisors, the king apologizes and tries to appease the fairy, uh, and that goes well. So the fairy restores life to all the people he killed. And he reveals himself to be Angus of the Bruff, like anyone knows who that is. But he's one of the mythical Tuatha Dé Danann. So, oh. just suffice to say. So he he's not just a regular fairy. He's one of the Tuatha. Anyway, uh, so this is a good representation of like what fairy behavior is like, right? Pranksters. However, if you're nice to them, you're good to them they will help you out and they just want to be respected and revered because they have very weird egos. Right. Um, mm. So anyway, that's uh that is one of the funnier fairy stories that I came across that I thought I'd like to share with uh, y'all. The next we have is, is something I'm just going to touch on, but uh, goblins are in the fairy realm and oh, that's really? kind of uh, goblins are kind of like a, a, a broad term. Right. But uh, typically in European and Irish folklore, Goblins were evil spirits or little bestial creatures. And so we know them as, you know, green little rascals from fantasy games, Lord of the Rings. Um, but, you know, goblin magics or tricks were behavior used to describe bad luck, curses, or anything mischievous or malevolent. Um, and uh, I'm sure you remember what was uh, the word added to the Oxford Dictionary, or rather phrase, I guess, added to the Oxford Dictionary last year. Goblin mode. Mm-hmm. Goblin mode. A, an Oxford defines it a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms and expectations. So uh, it is very funny how in 2022, 20, uh, uh, goblin mode became that uh, popular of a phrase that people are adopting it. And, you know, people use the term chaos goblin to, like, describe someone who's, you know, kind of off the rails or kind of just does things their own way or unpredictable or kind of like a, you know, a mess or like, you know, I don't know that I just feel like goblins have been a lot more prevalent in our culture as of late as post COVID people are kind of returning back to, I don't know, maybe a more uh, comfortable way of life. We've all gone feral. Yeah. We've all gone feral. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about goblin mode? What do you think about goblins in popular culture nowadays? I found it kind of an interesting little uh, comeback for the goblin, uh, I guess, aesthetic. I was most familiar with it, I think, from the stand-up of, is it uh, Schlesinger? Like, the, the comedian, she uh, 
has a whole bunch of like goblin stuff that she does. So I heard about mm -hmm. it like initially through there, but yeah, it's kind of just like being your like unapologetic, like most primal animal self, just being nasty about it, like farting and loving it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not bad. No. Um, you know, like again, I, I mean me personally, like I think about the term goblin moan and I think about how comfortable I was during COVID. Like, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but, like, as, I guess you forget all the horror and bad things that happen. But, like, dude, I had a great time in quarantine. Like, <laughs> I, paid, I painted my miniatures. I played my games. I watched all the shows I kept off on. I had no responsibilities. Like, I also have a comfortable living situation. So, like, I didn't have to worry about that. So, I'm not going to say I didn't have nice circumstances. But, like, it fucking kicked ass. Like, I could go for a month of COVID right now. It would be sick. <laughs> Uh, like play through all the games I've been wanting to play, finish some of these. Uh, I bought this giant box set of uh, Sylvaneth for Warhammer that like I haven't even opened yet. I would paint all of them. But uh, anyway, um, goblins, very prevalent, very topical. Um, so not all fairies, Maggie, are nice and just kind of mischievous. There are some fairies that are bad and evil. Uh, that you want to avoid. And the most popular one of those is called the red cap. You may have heard of red caps before. Uh, they oh, yeah. are one of the most dangerous and m even murderous of the fairy kingdom. Uh, and they are found in castles where nefarious deeds have been done or tyranny has been allowed. Uh, and it is said that the red cap dye their clothes with the blood of their victims. That's why all their clothes are red, which is strange because it's like the leprechaun's clothes are also red, but they're like not evil. So that's, that's a little contradictory, but that's all right. Now I'm going to read this little section from Wikipedia. Uh, the red cap is depicted as a short, thick set old elf with long, prominent teeth, skinny fingers armed with talons, like Eagles, large eyes of a fire red color, grizzly hair streaming down his shoulders, iron boots, a pike staff in his left hand and a red cap on his head. Specifically, the pike staff in his left hand. They're all left-handed, apparently, because left is evil. Uh, when travelers <laughs> take refuge in his lair, he flings huge stones at them. And if he kills them, he soaks his cap in their blood, giving it a crimson hue. He is unaffected by human strength, but can be driven away by words of scripture or by the brandishing of a crucifix, which cause him to utter a dismal yell and vanish in flames, leaving behind a large tooth. Can you think of a more random fucking story than that? <laughs> Seriously, I can. what? It's like Why Chat GP fucking wrote this 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 fairy for us. Like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he leaves a large tooth, and they don't explain. Like, I okay, all right, cool. So red caps. That's where red caps are. You want to stay away from. Don't stay in any abandoned castles. All right. You know, it's giving uh, me like a little bit of like vampire lore too, because there's all the lore, you know, the blood. Like we're obsessed with blood. I'm gonna color my clothes with blood. I'm sure. uh, repelled by crucifixes. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I didn't even here. think of that, but that's hundred percent uh, true. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's fascinating. The red cap vampire connection. Um, next we have brownies. Do you mm. know what a brownie is, Maggie? delicious treat they are delicious treats uh but these brownies are also part of the fairy realm uh and they're helpful spirits from scottish folklore and their main function is to help with housework isn't that nice 
yeah. So Maggie, if you had a brownie today, the brownie would have helped clean your floor for you. Oh, that'd be so dope. That would be dope, right? Yeah. Uh, they are diminutive, long-limbed, with brown skin, which could be leathery. They're also possibly covered in hair. Um, they're originally human-sized, but they could also shapeshift into animals. Um, now, they were thought to originate from tutelary spirits, said to be protected of dead ancestors. Um, now it's always wise to leave out offerings for brownies because if they were not appreciated or if they see servants or people of the house being lazy, they will resort to pulling pranks. Or if people were being really shitty to them, they could turn into what they call a boggart, which is the opposite of a brownie. So they reside in households, in fields and marshes. Uh, and they would cause milk to go sour, dogs to go lame, crops to go bad, just general discord, right? They also <laughs> will put clammy hands on you during your sleep or pull oh. your eyes and rip your sheets off. They do all those oh. things to you. Um, now, the funny thing, they're also known as bugs, bugbears, bugaboos, bogeys, bogans. Yeah. Which, as we know, is the big, like, kind of, like, bugbears are, like, kind of, like, furry kind of bigger hobgoblins in D&D, right? Like, they're kind of like the yeah. brutes of the goblin hierarchy in uh, in D&D. But yeah, so all those things come from uh, brownies. Um, now I'm going to read this, uh, this little piece I have copied here. Uh, a piece of folklore concerning a, a... God, I forgot how to say this word. Lancashire? Lancastershire? Lanc Lancashire? Boggart? was published in 1861. The author had a conversation with an elderly couple one evening about their local boggart. So this is the evil one, not the good one. They maintained that the boggart was buried at a nearby bend in the road under an ash tree, along with cockerel with a stake driven through it. Uh, despite being buried, the boggart was still able to create trouble. The farmer's wife, the old couple claimed, just two weeks earlier had heard doors banging in her farmhouse at night, then loud laughter. And she looked out to see three candles casting blue light and a creature with red burning eyes leaping about. Uh, the following morning, many marks of cloven hooves were seen outside the house. The couple claimed that the Bogart had unhitched their own horse and overturned their cart on occasion. Uh, never name it, in quotes, the Bogart, the old man repeated, and stated that he would never dig near its grave. So, those, oh. are, those are brownies and Bogarts. Good if you're nice to them, uh, but if uh, you're not, they uh, will, you know fuck up your house um next in the goblin hierarchy we got hobgoblins which i mentioned before they're another variation or perhaps the same as a brownie so different than hobgoblins in D, &D. they're small hairy creatures so while it says brownies are were originally human sized these are smaller hobgoblins uh and they do household chores in return for food uh, they're a little more mischievous than other fairies they enjoy pranks and shape shifting um but if you offer a hobgoblin new clothes they will leave uh they do not like uh that they uh, it seems they're kind of similar to the house elves in harry potter but you know the opposite um it's thought they're too proud to have new clothes or they're offended to have such gifts it varies from tale to tale so like uh dobie uh, from harry potter is sort of like a hobgoblin but the opposite um, you know, once he got the new clothes, he's like, Dopey's his own master. Yeah, I thought that was really uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, weird though, but like, I guess maybe gifts are just not their love language. Like, you just don't get me. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, <laughs> stop buying me jeans. Um, 
Yeah. So um, there's a there's another little article I I wrote and uh, where they call these creatures dobies, um, and it says dobies could be just as industrious as other hobgoblins and brownies, which led to the expression "Master Dobes has been helping you" whenever a person has accomplished more work than was expected. So again, they also say you know obviously this is represented in house elves Dobie in the Harry Potter series. So we all love Dobie. Dobie's a cute little guy. Um, wish we had one uh, in our house to help with our housework. Fantasies of uh, you know people not having to do housework sounds like. Um, next up, I want to talk about dwarves. So dwarves yeah. are also very much part of uh, the the fae kingdom. Dwarves come mostly from uh, German folklore. Um, they were always associated with mountain stones and being craftsmen. Like those are dwarves all day. Uh, in Norse legends, the dwarves are the finest craftsmen of the nine realms, uh, as you probably know if you've played uh, any amount of God of War games or read any amount of Marvel comics that discuss uh, the nine realms of Norse mythology. Uh, and the dwarves would make many treasures for the uh, Aesir. They made Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer, uh, Gungir, the spear, uh, Dropnir, the ring, and uh, Skjellbladnir, which is the little pocket ship. Um, in fairy folklore, it's much the same. However, they like to hoard their wealth, and they're stubborn and proud. So the dwarves are pretty straightforward. And these are aspects, obviously, so you see in Tolkien's dwarves. Um, you know, underground, mining, drinking beer, hoarding wealth. That's what they're about. Uh, so dwarves have not changed a whole lot. I'm going to derail quick and tell us a story that I'm uh, modernizing a little bit about dwarves, but it's also kind of about leprechauns and brownies because there's all these aspects in it. And it's called the broke-ass shoemaker. All right? All right. There's a shoemaker, right? He's very poor. Not because he's a drug addict or a drunk or anything. But people are just very fucking poor back then. Like, they literally, they had no money. They just didn't have any money. If they didn't go out and churn wheat during the day, they wouldn't have a piece of bread to eat, right? So... That's why they sold their kids because like kids were a renewable resource. You could have one every nine months and it was more dependable than livestock. So anyways, the poor shoemaker and his wife are like, what the hell are we going to do? So instead of trying a new form of income or pursuing a new career, which to be fair, I guess there weren't many careers to pursue at the time. They, you know, they spend their last bit of money on two scraps of leather to make one last shoe with one final shoe. One so shoe? <laughs> what? Well, well, a pair, a pair of shoes. Okay, say, <laughs> a why? pair of shoes. So <laughs> one shoe. So, one shoe. <laughs> Just one shoe. Sorry. <laughs> Two shoes. <laughs> so, uh, so the shoemaker sets all his stuff out on the table. So he's like, "Man, uh, I'm gonna hit my pen. I'm gonna go to bed. Tackle this shit in the morning, right?" So he goes to bed and he wakes up, and the shoe is made. Two shoes. Sorry. Two shoes are made out of the scraps of leather. And it has, Maggie, it has the perfect stitching. There's no fuck-ups. It's immaculate. It has a perfect shoe. So uh, some guy comes around uh, to buy shoes, and he sees the shoe, and it fits him perfectly. And so perfect that he flips and gives the shoemaker extra money. So the shoemaker's so inspired 
uh, he has the money to buy four more strips of leather to make two more pairs of sh per, uh, perfect shoes. So he does the same thing. He lays all the components out on the table, goes to bed. Bam, he wakes up and the shoes are made. So this goes on for a few weeks. They keep multiplying their profits and doing pretty good. So his wife is like, my dude, something is going on. We should do the same thing tonight, but stay up and watch to see who or what is making these shoes. So the shoemaker agrees and they go get some more leather and they lay it out. Uh, in the room and lo and behold during the night a bunch of naked ass dwarves come prancing into the house <laughs> and set to work on making the shoes and their excellent craftsmanship these knock out these shoes like nothing and they prance off into the night again they're naked they don't have any clothes on they're naked so the shoemaker and his wife are so astounded by what they saw they can't believe their luck and fortune uh, but the wife can't help but think that the naked dwarves need some clothes. Uh -oh. So she gets the material and makes some tiny little pants, and little shirts, and little hats for the dwarves. And the next night they leave out uh, them out for the dwarves. And they take the clothes and they put them on. They love them so much. They're so much happier being warm and not cold and not naked. Uh, so anyways, Shoemaker goes on to continue the business. And the dwarves have clothes. And he uh, he makes shoes and everyone's happy. So the message here is reinforcing that if you treat fairies nice, they'll take care of you um, and showing them respect, etc. Um, but uh, this is pretty funny because this is the first reference I've heard of like naked dwarves. Like it's pretty funny. Like I wonder if they're like little beards covered their little nads. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I made shoes with my dick out. Sorry, guys. Right. Yeah. Like. I just think it's so funny because ne they're never described necessarily as naked. Like they'll say like they have like rags on or things like that. But like, yeah, man, that's a pretty wild story. So, but anyway, things work out for the shoemaker. Um, dwarves are uh, dwarves and like little people and stuff like that. I wrote, I wrote a section uh, just, we have uh worldwide. There's all sorts of stories of gnomes and dwarves that they're all kind of the same thing, but the Duende are the Ibero-American, and I had to look this turn up because I didn't know I did not know what Ibero-American means, but that means Spain and Portugal, a uh, variation of gnomes and fairies. I listen to a lot of monster shows, and you have a lot of uh, Ibero-Americans uh, relating stories about the Duende, and I always find them interesting. Uh, but they're a variation of gnomes and little people, and they have the same characteristics, but they vary a little bit amongst the regions. Um, they can be covered in moss. Uh, and they play sad songs on their lutes to help lost travelers back home. Uh, they live in walls and clip children's toenails when they are sleeping. <laughs> what do they use the toenails for? No one knows because they don't fucking say. So I'm guessing they're making a ship for Ragnarok. Um, like uh, Nagalfar or whatever. What's the fucking name the ship Loki makes uh, to sail on? Anyway, that's the Duende. They're uh, dwarves and gnomes in uh, other cultures in Spain and Portugal. Um, next on my list, we got gnomes. So just a refresher, gnomes are kindly fairies that see to helping around gardens and fields and home. When you have a gnome on your side, you'll be fortunate with good luck and a good harvest. Uh, but they're also doctors and herbalists, and they can share their knowledge with humans who are good to nature. So I know we did our episode on gnomes, but, you know, gnomes are in the fairy realm. Um, and they're probably my favorite uh next we got puck wudgies have you ever heard of a puck wudgie maggie never never all right well you're about to learn right now they are uh evil ass fairies from wapanag lore uh and they look like porcupines from the back and trolls from the front and they're pretty big assholes 
Uh, they do shit like they lure people to their deaths in the wilderness. They fire poison arrows. They create fires. They kidnap people and they stab them. And generally all sorts of like shitty behavior. Um, so puckwudgies, definitely one to avoid out there. Uh, don't run into any puckwudgies. They're pieces of shit. All right. Um, kobolds. Kobolds. Uh, kobolds in D&D are kind of like little reptile creatures. They got candles. They work in mines. I guess that's kind of in Warcraft too. Uh, they're from Germanic fairy folklore. They kind of combine elements of dwarves, brownies, and hobgoblins. But uh, they can also appear as, appear as candles, apparently. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to skip over this one because they're kind of the same shit. And, like, I don't really understand the difference. All right, next. Trolls. Trolls really deserve their own episode. But they're included in the fairy kingdom, and I just wanted to mention them. So they're lumbering, dim-witted man-eaters who can turn to stone if subjected to daylight. They come from Norse and Scandinavian mythology. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about trolls for right now. Because that's a it's kind of a rabbit hole on its own, but trolls are also in the fairy kingdom. Interesting, that makes sense. and they also have like a bit of a renaissance where it's become common vernacular for internet trolls. So yes, exactly, there are modern trolls amongst us today, <laughs> and they live on 4chan. Well, they live on Facebook <laughs> now, I guess, and Twitter, but and they are they are the boomers. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um. We have elemental fairies, the nymphs. Now, each class of elemental fairies or spirits have a correspondence to an element or nymphs, if they were known as in Greek folklore. So this is more like part of uh, um, the Grecian uh, aspect of uh, fairies. So you got naiads, dryads, nereids, and oreids. I don't remember which one's which. So we're going to move on. Um, we got those are the Greek classifications of them, but you got a uh, common undines, which are fairies of water, and they control water and live in water, and maybe they are water. I don't really know. You got sylphs, who are air fairies, and they're in the air or whatever. You got salamanders, which are fire fairies. And I never really understood what's so special about a salamander that it doesn't burn. It's just really odd and weird, and I don't get it. And then the fourth one is gnomes. So gnomes are like the earth fairies, sort of, in some mythology. There's all sorts of nymphs. Uh, mermaids are technically nymphs. So mermaids are also like fairies in some lore. I don't know. This is where it gets really murky. We're going to move on. The banshee. <laughs> Perhaps the scariest of the fairy kin. The banshee, or the bean sea, meaning woman of the fairy mound. She can predict the death of a family member. If you hear the wail of a banshee, someone in your family may be in bad luck, health, or fortune. Often described as having long streaming hair, usually red, and cloaked in gray, cloak and green dress, sometimes white, and red-eyed from weeping, the banshee is a spirit that sometimes is described as being able to take the form of a deceased family member, shrieking or mourning or keening, which is vocal lament that was a part of formal burials in Ireland and Scotland. Uh, if many banshees wailed at once, it would signify the death of someone very important. However, it was said that banshees would only herald deaths of someone of Milesian blood, which, if you remember back to our Tuatha de Danon story, the Milesians were the people that uh, defeated the Tuatha de Danon. Um, hmm. 
now obviously in popular fantasy banshees are associated with undead monsters they can and their streak can paralyze or make the strongest willed soldier flounder in fear and desperation um so yeah banshees what do you think about banshees you think they're real honestly <laughs> i'm not even sure i don't know if people were just like so messed up back then that they like projected the concept of like intense grief onto this like maybe make it a mystical creature just so they could go back to the field or like banshees will grieve and scream we got to get back to the field like that's how it's feeling to me right now now keening is a real thing keening is a, a scottish uh practice of um mourning and uh i don't have the technology to pull up a clip but uh that's a real thing so um i think there is oh. some mythology that is uh maybe borrowed from that um now that is the the greater pantheon of humanoid fairy uh folks and i just want to mention there is a whole world of other animal and evil fairies like the nuklavi or the dulahan and that is something i'm going to save for later for another episode but just know there is there's animal fairies that exist and also other like evil monster fairies but uh i'm gonna Whoa. maybe uh tempt your hunger for fairies with that in another episode uh so i'll just say that they exist and maybe we talk about them another time um there is uh one last story and it's not really a a, a fairy story but i just kind of want to mention about like fairy time and how it works and that is the story of rip van winkle do you know oh, really? the story of Rip Van Winkle? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But he's now this like is, a million years. This is not really a, a fairy story per se, uh, as we'll learn, but it's a good example of how time works in the Fey realm. Uh, so Rip Van Winkle was this lazy ass douche, right? He was a Dutch dude <laughs> that would do anything but work. So often he'd go out and just lay around all day or kill time doing nothing. And somehow this dude had a wife and kids too, right? Of course, right? So anyways, him and his dog are out squirrel hunting. And he meets some dude dressed very ornately, struggling to carry a keg. So Rip helps him carry the keg to a cleft in the rocks. And their homeboy hears a crack of thunder. He looks beyond, and what does he see? A bunch of other pilgrim-looking dudes playing nine pins, which is bowling, I think. I'm not quite sure. Anyways... So he decides to get drunk and play nine pins. He falls asleep drunk, and when he wakes up, he notices something is strange. He has a giant beard. It's all gray, and everything hurts. Now, I personally, I've had one of those hangovers before, but uh, <laughs> this is not the case with Rip. So he goes into town, and he sees a dude that looks like a younger version of himself, and he finds out that's his son, all grown up, and his oh. wife is dead. And his dog is dead. And everyone he knows is dead and old. Nice. Cool. <laughs> and this is how time works in the fairy world. You can be gone for maybe hours in the fairy world. But when you come back, it may be years that you have left in the mortal realm. So anyway, I say it's not particularly a uh, fairy story because... In the story, they're actually ghosts of a ship uh, that had drowned. So they're not fairies. But uh, I kind of wanted to leave on that weird, eerie note of uh, fairy time versus real time. 
so yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got for uh, fairies, Maggie. Tell me what you think. Oh, that was so great! I loved it. Like I'm thinking, which is your favorite about... fairy? Oh gosh, so I just love brownies. Like everything that you said about how they yes. want to help out around the house. Like I don't know, there's just something really Someone nice doing about your damn that. housework. Sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, for real. Like I can imagine that being a wonderful escape for people who really had no uh, modern convenience at all. Like everything, I can't even imagine how they had to clean and tidy up. And your house is probably just like nothing but mounds of dirt anyway. So I don't know what you're, you're just like maybe moving dirt from one corner to the other. I'm not sure what cleaning was like back in the day, but it just sound really cute. And then of course I gnomes—they're my favorite, like fey kind. So, but we had our gnome episode, but I completely agree they're my favorite. I I definitely like uh, being a homeowner. Um, I definitely love the idea of a brownie taking care of my house for me. Like, pretty sick, right? Everyone could mm-hmm. go for a brownie. Uh, I think leprechauns are still pretty cool. I uh, especially love the uh, 1990s video of uh, the leprechaun in, uh, I think it's Georgia or something. You know, the one that's like, anyone see the leprechaun? Say, hell yeah. Yeah. And there's a little artist rendition <laughs> of the leprechaun as like one of my favorite YouTube videos, Time in Memoriam. Um, yeah, and I just think the uh, the backstory, there's a lot of interesting lore within uh, the Fomorian slash Tuatha de Danan uh, war. There's a lot of different heroes and uh, other characters and stories. Some of them, well, not going to say some of them, most of them are very confusing. That's kind of like why I didn't talk a whole lot about it because it kind of distracts from just like the story of like what fairies are and stuff like that so that might be another like deep dive episode somewhere along the way if i have enough brain power to read through it um but uh yeah i had a lot of fun reading all this stuff and you know i don't want to say researching because that sounds like try hard but um (laughs) immersing myself in the in the fairy realm and kind of getting to the bottom of what the collective idea of some of these things are so uh yeah like That's- it's jogging my memory a little bit some of what you described too like the sealy and unsealy court so there's like the dresden files books that i'm really obsessed yes. with it's like a modern day like fantasy ish but he actually goes on to the winter fairy court and oh this is such a spoiler for anybody that hasn't read it but he becomes the winter knight and all this stuff but um such a like interesting world and concept but i really didn't know how much jim butcher made up and how much jim butcher being the author and how much was like real folklore i'm kind of curious now like i'm curious about like the like the lead fairy figures from that story and other stories i read are they like the, who made it up like may, are they part of that fictional world or, or are they built on pre-existing things like there's so much meat on these bones like regarding fairy stories that's very true yeah i was going to mention the dresden files but i don't know a lot about it so i didn't i didn't want to talk about it but yeah the sealy and unsealy court it seems plays a, a large role in uh that uh narrative so yeah very interesting which uh if you were a fairy which court do you think you would be a part of Oh, to be with the good guys. I couldn't handle being with the villains. Like, I'd have to be the one that's like the benevolent one, which is what the the Sealy, right? Yeah, Sealy Core. Me too. I, I I'd be more about uh, 
helping people. Like, I, I think it'd be funny to play pranks on him just a little bit, but uh, I'd probably help him out after. I'd be like the I'd be like the fairy in the uh, the storyteller at fault. Like, I'd totally fuck with the guy, but then I'd hit the reset switch and be like, ha ah, JK, you have have some money. You made me laugh, you know. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, awesome, Maggie. Thank you so much. I know this is probably this is uh, longer than uh, most episodes we've done, but uh, this was a big one. And uh, it's also, like I said, I, I think it's left uh, an opening for some other episodes I'd like to do in the future. We could talk more about fairies. Um, if you have any good fairy stories you come up with uh, in uh, reading about them, we'll share them on the show. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess we'll probably sign off from here. All right, that sounds like a deal. Well, it was a great fun time just to listen to you tell these stories, and I really want to have more fairy stories. So we gotta more fairy continue. Stories. Yes, this must you be got continued. We're <laughs> yes. gonna find more. We're gonna we're gonna add some more fairy stories, and uh, sometime in the future, uh, that fairy animal and fairy monster episode, we can uh, share more. So, I guess, guys, um, put out your offerings of honey and milk. Um, try to be nice and respectful to nature. And, uh, you know, if you leave some scraps of uh, leather out, maybe uh, a naked little dwarf will come to your house and uh, make a shoe for you. It's just a single shoe. Just a single shoe. Just one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very good. Everyone be safe. I hope you had a good uh, St. Patrick's Day with a lot of fun and friends. And uh, we're all looking forward to spring. I uh, can't wait for it to get warm soon. Uh, everyone have a good rest of your night. And we'll see you next time on Are You Afraid of D's? D's nuts. D's nuts. All right. <laughs> later, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.